This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 171. Today, our special guest is Matthew Mobby, co-founder of Staff Health. We talk about healthcare's major challenge of staffing, and we hear the perspective of those that serve in traveler and agency roles. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Teresa Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome, everybody. It's another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, and I am Tracy. And I am Michelle. And here we are again. Here we are and again. I, I think if Travis had $100 for every time we said that, he'd be a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> One of these times, we'll have Travis open it up. Oh, yeah. yeah we I think should we should change that, it up a little know. bit. He's, our, he's the magician behind the scenes here. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think we should. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. well, it's just another fun episode in the podcast studio today. You know... We are so fortunate. We get to meet so many people. We do. You know, and they're just really great people. Yeah. Yeah. And today we had a very special guest, Matthew Mobby, and um, his story is fascinating. And what he does is really, really important in healthcare. And he brings us a very unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So today, you know, we're having, we're getting some insights mm-hmm. into, um, some of the experiences of traveling nurses, healthcare agency nurses, you know, that work per diem or they travel across the country and take assignments. And we've been hearing a lot from healthcare organizations because that's our primary connection to right. healthcare leaders. Right. So we hear quite a bit of that side of what's happening when it comes to, you know, leveraging the use of um, agency staff or traveling nurses. And so we thought, hey, let's go out and hear the other side. And we did. And uh, he really brought the perspective of his team. We had some great dialogue of how things need to change in healthcare because of many, many things changing. And I thought it was a great conversation. Oh, it was. It was really fun. And and Matthew did a great job. So without further ado, I am going to introduce you to Matthew. And uh, Matthew Mobby is the co-founder of Staff Health. He's actually a graduate of the University of Florida and has over 10 years experience in healthcare staffing. He uh, went through nursing school before deciding to head into a career in staffing. So he's actually a nurse as well. Mm -hmm. And Matthew's passion for the industry can be traced back to his childhood, which he shares a little bit about that in our interview. And his mission is to connect passionate and skilled healthcare workers with facilities who need great patient care. So without further ado, here's our interview with Matthew Mobby. Well, welcome, Matthew, to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We are excited today has finally arrived. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, we are too. We thought we'd start out and tell our listeners a little bit about why we're having you on our show today. Um, 
So for all of our listeners, we've been talking to Matthew for a little while now, <laughs> and uh, you're going to learn why. Um, his work is about staffing and healthcare, and it's been a pretty major topic, uh, certainly for the last couple of years, and um, there's a lot of complexities to it. And so to today's show, we're going to bring some of the things that Tracy and I have been hearing from health, working with healthcare leaders, and then also some of the perspectives of the traveling and agency clinicians and providers that are out there. And so we've been preparing for this conversation today, and we're just so excited that the day has come where we can do this podcast interview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, we're kind of the both and people. So we want to, you know, be able to make sure we're hearing the voices of of all, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So to get us started, Matthew, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how did you become a co-founder of a healthcare staff and staffing company in the first place. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for having me today. And I'm excited to, to chat. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, my healthcare experience started at a very young age. Um, I was actually, I, I have a younger brother who's handicapped and um, had needed a lot of care throughout life. Um, he's already undergone 80 operations, I believe. Uh, you know, he's still, you know, handicapped, still needs daily care. Uh, so from a very young age, I understood and I was forced to understand, I guess, right? Um, the just uh, the impression and the in the the willingness and capacity and, and what nurses do um, for not only the patient, but for the families of the patient and just how crucial their role is in a healthcare facility. Um, you know, I know a lot of we hear a lot about doctors and this and that and surgeons and and, you know, there's CNAs and LPNs and RNs that are really the driving force of, of, of everything, um, you know, within the facility. They all work hand in hand, but it's just a, a crucial space. And, um, you know, I, uh, I actually I had a chance to um, uh, go into the nursing field myself. I went through nursing school, uh, did practice nursing for long. Uh, but uh, I knew the business side pretty well. And um, when I was going through that, I really learned, I guess, or, or saw, witnessed just a disconnect, per se, um, in the staffing, the staffing side of things inside healthcare facilities. Uh, for the most part, the obvious part was everyone was stressed out, um, especially when it came to staffing. This is way pre-pandemic. So the staffing shortages have been going on for quite some time. Uh, but, you know, when you're missing one nurse in a facility, it really changes the whole dynamic of, uh, of health care, patient care and safety ratios within the facility. Uh, I quickly learned that. And, um, you know, one of my goals ever since has been, you know, a mission of mine is because I'm very passionate about this space and passionate about proper health care and safety uh, is I wanted to bridge that gap. I wanted to find a solution in modern day. Uh, using technology, innovations, um, and quality nurses to really bridge that gap from healthcare facilities to staffing and uh, get that burden off of the administration side and facility staff and uh, deliver quality healthcare for patients. And I'm here now. (laughs) There you go. All right. Wow. Living your mission, huh? Hey, that's the best of both worlds right there. That's right. That's right. It is. It is. And, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that... um, Staffing, you know, traveling uh, practitioners, agency practitioners certainly filled a critical need over the last three years when it comes to providing that quality care, right? There, so many hospitals wouldn't have never been able to meet the needs uh, during the pandemic without staffing and agency help. So I think, you know, hats off to what you're doing and other agencies are doing to fill that need and um, that gap. And we know staffing is a problem. It has always been a problem in healthcare. It will always be a problem. We know what we talk about are, you know, the things underneath that are polarities, right? Uh, like the recruitment and retention of quality staff, right, to help fill those gaps. We also know that um, we've been talking with leaders uh, and uh, clinicians about some of the challenges that have come up as a result of having to have so many 
um, individuals from uh, agency or travelers, right? And mostly from that kind of staffing perspective inside the healthcare organization. And some of the challenges with the high prices, right, for agency staff and traveling staff, also kind of competing for resources uh, locally and nationally, like within their own, you know, within their own environments and then outside. And then um, some people leaving long-term positions within the organizations to take advantage of the opportunity to travel and the financial support that that can offer their families, especially after, during, and after um, mm-hmm. the pandemic, right, to, to meet their own personal mm-hmm. needs. Um, and so I just wondered, kind of what are your perspectives coming from the agency side of things on those challenges that healthcare organizations have faced as a result of using individuals uh, from companies like yours? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great, solid question. And, um, you know, it's... It's, it needs to be addressed on a, on a few different levels, too, for everyone. And um, uh, you're correct. I, you know, I agree 100 percent that, you know, it's there's always been a staffing shortage. It's always there. Um, it's actually way worse now, obviously, the past couple of years. We all get that. But um, what we're really seeing here in the healthcare space is what I like to call a shift. It's almost a shift in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, what we're talking about now, which is staffing, the staffing side of things. Um, and uh, a wrench was thrown in that from the pandemic. And, um, you know, we weren't prepared for that as a healthcare system yes. um, here, probably globally, too. But uh, speaking about in America here. But, um, you know, it, it's been challenging for on all sides to get people staffed. And, you know, one thing that we've learned from this is that we need to listen to the nurses, right? The nurses are there. They have needs. They have issues. They have a personal life. They have children at home. They have families mm-hmm. at home. Uh, you know, they, they're real people, just like me and you. Uh, yeah. Money is a driving force for them as well. We get that, right? Just like everybody has to pay their bills. So we would like to, we would like to find a way to meet in the middle and try to find a solution together to once again, I'm going to use that term, bridge the gap, right? Bridge that right. gap from healthcare facility to staffing. Now, as we listen to the nurses and we're looking at the shift in the industry, you know, what can we do or, you know, how can we help? We always say that too. How can we assist the facilities? Uh, you know, I understand that, you know, staffing agencies in general are considered a premium rate. We can start with that, right? Uh, but what goes into that rate, you know? We ask ourselves, hey, who's breaking down this rate? Who's saying this? Who's who's uh, you know, where does where does it really meet in the middle? Right. So we actually there's actually a great um, a a great uh, research project and report that was uh, uh, out this year by IntelliCare. Uh, They did an analysis, a cost analysis on hiring their own permanent staff versus using maybe an outside source of, of some some form. And what they found was that when you add in all those expenses, I mean, I'm talking retirement, PTO, onboarding, credentialing, recruiting, retaining, um, you know, onboarding. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, It actually turns out that it's actually more expensive to to have these for healthcare facilities to have a team that can do this and chase these people and get them on board, get them going. Are they a good fit? Are they a good cultural fit? Big, big, big issue. Uh, We could talk about that as well, because you know, you have a lot of these travelers coming into facilities that they've never been to, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a whole nother topic. Right. right. But uh, I mean, just from these numbers, I mean, um, you know, 33 percent more expensive to hire an RN permanently, 14 um, percent for an LPN and 26 percent for a CNA. So just to bridge that gap as a coming from the side of, a, of an agency, I guess, side is yeah. that, you know, we have the team. Right. We have the team that can recruit all day, that can vet all day, that can find a good fit for your for your facility, who can, um, you know, you know, so on and so forth. And we have the means to do that. Posting jobs, you know, there's a lot of marketing that goes in. And um, it would be great to, to meet in the middle in terms of, hey, let's let's work together uh, and use it as a cost effective approach, you know, and to really, yes. uh, you know, really getting the right people into these healthcare facilities and keep them working. Yeah. I love that. Meet in the middle. Yeah. Like 
there is a give and take around this, right? And I love, you know, that people are starting to study it. There are mm-hmm. some obvious benefits, right? And I think sometimes we just look at what we can see in front of us. So I just really appreciate you being here today to help us see things kind of under the hood, <laughs> you know, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah that's great. Yeah, exactly. and meeting in the middle, what is a cost-effective method, right, for staffing, and everything is shifting, right? So we can't always assume that what was is what needs to be going forward into the future. It will continue, right? So I think your willingness to really step back and say, how do we come together to do this in a cost-effective way so that you have what you need, the patients have what they need, we're serving the individuals in their personal lives and their needs as well, right? Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And you have to be able to be flexible. That's one thing that we've always, we all have learned about staffing. So it kind of provides you with that, Mm -hmm. you know, with that consistency of the staff within the organization, but then also bringing in extra, you know, staffing agencies, travelers. Mm -hmm. And it gives everybody like just that, it's that dynamic balance, Tracy, and I'll talk about it's never all the same. You have to be able to move with it. And really meet the needs of the community, the patients, Mm -hmm. and the organization. So that's really great. Well, we've always used additional staffing options, right? I think what really, you know, it's just the amount that people have had to use, right? The high volume of additional staff that they have had to be leveraged. um, That's really kind of brought this to light, right? Brought this to light. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And the stress. I mean, yeah. these nurses are under stress, right? And they're working short staffed and uh, their yeah. work life mm-hmm. balance is off. You know, how yeah. do we, and I ask this as almost a rhetorical question, but how do we bring the passion of nursing back? You know, I yeah. think about that constantly, daily. Mm-hmm. You know, nurses, and, and what we'll get to in, in, the, in a few minutes here about uh, some of the nurses that we were able to speak with, but um, they're all caregivers. They all, they have a passion that is mm-hmm. almost the same or larger than a paycheck, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to live their lives and, and help people. And uh, we want to continue that yeah. and, right. and have that in right. every facility, no matter where you're at. Sure. Right. Very important. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Tracy, I just want to thank you, Matthew, for facilitating a survey of your team in preparation for our interview, because we really we've been listening a lot to healthcare organizations and to leaders um, about many of the things that you talked about, Tracy. Yeah. Um, but also some other things that have come up is just you know the you know is are they do they care as much because they're not from our community? It's like because there was so many of them, it made some people feel a little bit uncomfortable, and they wondered about that. Um, and then at the same time, they were very relieved to have support and have having people show up to help at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So before we, what we did, everyone, was we asked some key questions to uh, Matthew's um, traveling and agency uh, providers, and we're gonna share those with you, but why don't you tell us a little bit first about the demographics of who took the survey? Yeah, so uh, the demographics, it's a mix between uh, RNs, LPNs or LVNs, and CNAs. And uh, it was mostly targeted in about, I would say, a lot of the Southeast, uh, a lot of Texas, Colorado, and California would probably be the main, main spots for that geography-wise. Um, which we thought would would give a pretty good mix of different areas and different parts, uh, you know, of the United States for this survey mm-hmm. to kind of see, you know, what what are those differentiating viewpoints? You know, is this, is it change? Is it the same? Mm-hmm. Does it remain consistent? Um, and that that's kind of what we drew from. Um, and I think we got some great responses and some really, you know, honest feedback. Um, yeah. And that's what yeah. we wanted to do. And uh, yeah. and it was a uh, it was it was great. Yeah. Right. So the first question that we wanted to know was, um, you know, what are you most proud of in your delivery of care experiences? Now, these are, uh, you know, RNs, LPNs, aides that actually step into environments where they're not familiar. It may not be in the area that they even live in. 
And so in those situations, what are you most proud of in your care delivery experiences? And some of the things that really jumped out at us in the survey were just the new challenges and that underlying serving was still there. I'm here to serve, making a difference. And I was amazed how many people responded with, it's just seeing the smile on my patient's face. That's I'm always most proud of that. Um, bringing my years of experience and um, the quality of services that I'm able to deliver. So those are some of the things that came from the survey. And um, I, I, I just was really, it warmed my heart to see some of those responses. And it, I think they're no different than pretty much every provider that we've worked with. <laughs> well, and I think it gets back to that, you know, question some people had about, are they as committed as I am to the yeah. care of the people in my yeah. community? And I think this, what this brings forth, and again, this is not like a hugely broad survey across the United States. So we're just right. bringing forth some perspectives, but, but I think what it speaks to is, yeah, I have that passion. Like you said, I have the same passion you have for caring for these people to make sure that they're having a good experience yeah. and to doing my very best when I'm with them. And I don't know that anybody questions that, but Right. I think it's just good to hear that from people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so wonderful to hear that. And, and it was consistent across the board. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, it just shows that, you know, these nurses are, they're passionate people. They really yeah. are. And they want to, yeah. they want to see that smile. They want to know that they made a difference in what they're doing today, regardless of where it's at technically. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It's good to see. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think we can make assumptions. Oh, right. Yes. I think, I think we can make assumptions that they're in it for the money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm just saying people can make assumptions about that because they get paid quite a bit more, right? We know that yeah. that is a, a differentiator between those that are, you know, at the bedside and working for healthcare organizations and those that are coming in. And as you mentioned, there's a lot that goes into those numbers. Um, but mm -hmm. that could be an assumption. I think yeah. this helps to, for me, it helps to say, you know, that can be a false assumption in many cases. Yeah, it could. Yeah, could yeah. be. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess a bigger question, maybe for another time is, you know, what what is that cost? Right. Like yeah. what is like what does that pay amount to? And I think that's what we're also tackling as an industry as we go through this shift, you know, is proper wages. Um, what's yeah. too high? What's too low? What you know, let's once yeah. again, meet in the middle, make people happy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it goes into a whole whole different slew of, of questions, right? It does. It does. It does. Yeah. And we don't have the answers to those today. <laughs> well, it's ongoing, <laughs> right? Saying. It's ongoing. Oh, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. ongoing. It really is. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that's just, it's wonderful to hear that, um, that they, that's what they're proud of and that's what they feel they're doing. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. That's great. So the other thing we asked about were the struggles they experienced. Now, I think it's really important to say many people said, I haven't had any struggles. <laughs> So that was good to hear too, huh? Yeah, I was shocked about that one. <laughs> I was. I know this feel pretty well. <laughs> uh, so it was uh, it was good to see, but you know, a lot of these things are normal a normal day for these people. But uh, right. let's see what we what, what kind of uh, responses did we get from this one? Yeah. So um, some of them said some of the same struggles that the clinicians are having, right? Yes. Which is lack of supplies, being short-staffed. Because when you're working in that environment, that short-staffing doesn't just impact the people that are employees. It impacts yes. the agency people too, right? Because we're all here on the shift trying to see all these patients and get the work done. So those were common things yeah. I think that they share as struggles with those that are uh, fully employed. Gas prices at the time we did the survey, yeah. right? Everybody's worried about the gas prices. So again, it just brings back the human factor. We're all human beings. We're all have sharing some of the same struggles, right? Um, and so I think that's what I what I saw mm -hmm. in that. Then there were some other struggles that were related to um, how they were being treated when they came into facilities. Um, the rudeness of some individuals, they experienced rudeness from people that were full-time employees because, um, you know, that... So just they felt like they weren't wanted. Um, some people didn't feel like they fit in to the organization. Um, you know, so those were some things that came up from their, um, you know, from their perspective. And again, we're just sharing 
all the perspectives, right? right? So for them, Mm -hmm. it's hard to come in, it sounds like, into a facility and really feel welcomed. And and this is not in every case. This is just a few individuals, so... Yeah, that's um, it's, it's quite common, unfortunately. Um, you know, the gas prices. I, I mean, I get that. So that that was a funny <laughs> response. But let's also keep in mind that you know some of these travelers, right, or some of these people, they drive a pretty long distance. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. in, in some cases, there's mm-hmm. some rural communities out there that are very, they're, you know, they're struggling. So you got people from the inner city driving. I mean, to be honest, I've had people drive about four hours for one shift. Wow. Wow. That is just insane. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it's what they wanted to do. It's where they wanted to work. And that's what they did. They they supported each other. They actually came together, which was nice and weighed out the pros and cons. Yeah. um, The the challenge within the facility and trying to be, you know, involved in a good fit and um, treated equally is definitely a challenge that we see across the board. Yeah. Well, and I think we have to remember, and we brought this up before, these individuals have been under significant stress and strain. This isn't a typical time in our world, right? Mm -hmm. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is an issue everywhere, not just with these individuals, right? Like, and organizations are dealing with this. And I think what we want to keep in mind as we think about some of these results is that, uh, and so just some of the comments is that as we move forward, it's important to have a healthy work culture and not just for the employees, but for the people coming in to help support, right? For the support staff, for the agency, you want a welcoming, inclusive environment and a healthy environment for all that come into the environment. And so, you know, I think this is just, just brings awareness to that, I think, you know, some of these comments. Yeah. Yeah. We're all human. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. um, Awareness is a great, a, a great choice of words for that. And, uh, you know, that's part of, that's what we want to do too, is bring awareness um, right. for all aspects. Yeah. Yeah. And we all make choices. You know, I think these individuals have made a choice right. for whatever reason. And I think, I think you alluded to this earlier. There's lots of different reasons people choose to not be fully employed. You know, they need the flexibility in their life or they needed that additional income. We don't know what's happened in some of these cases, right? But we're all making choices that serve us. And it's not about judging any one person's choice. It's just like judging, well, Michelle became a nurse and I became a respiratory therapist. Yeah, right? What's like, wrong with you? I know. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm the only non-nurse, right? But <laughs> but we make different choices for different reasons. That's no different, right? Yeah. When you choose to be a nurse or a respiratory therapist or an LPN or an aide, we all choose what's working for us in our lives, but we all need each other. We all need each other. To get right. to that shared purpose. And right? I think it just challenges uh, everyone to think about what your, you know, what are your biases and maybe you're not even aware of them because yeah. you don't stop to think about it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can yeah. kind of sometimes you can get caught up in groupthink about things too. So I think it's really an opportunity mm-hmm. to step back and look at the whole picture. What does it look like if we meet in the middle? You know, yeah. that's really important. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, the third question we asked is what are you most excited about in providing care as a traveling or agency care professional? Because we really wanted to know what why do you do this? <laughs> I was, we, we were talking in preparation. I don't, I don't remember Matthew, if this is the three of us or just Tracy and I, I, I was always amazed at working in critical care when we would have traveling nurses come in and, and, um, and I just knew that's something I would never do. Like I just, that didn't excite me to, but this is what excites them. And I think it's really awesome. And some of the things they said in the survey was the recognition that they get for showing up and delivering their services. They like going to different cities and states. They're explorers, you know, and they like yeah. being able to, on the side, meet new people, do sightseeing, um, and also providing care um Providing for their family and better pay is also something they're excited about. Having new experiences and learning and helping patients and family, and they're excited about delivering quality care. So I just, I think there's a certain kind of 
person that's also a provider and a, you know, a caregiver that can show up in these different situations that it really excites them. And they're providing for their family at the same time. So um, tell us a little bit about what your reaction was to the answer to this particular question. Um, for, well, this one, I, I mean, I thought all answers were, were definitely great, you know? Um, and like, to your point, everyone's different. Everyone's in a different scenario. Right. And it, yeah. it, it just, I had a thought come in my head about, uh, this is actually pre pandemic. I believe I, I have, I had a couple of uh, nurses who, this is in California actually, who bought a van. Right. And then they would just go to different facilities and live out of their van and explore California. And that's what they did. They have 12 week assignments here, 12 week assignments there. And they got to, you know, travel and do that. Right. Yeah. You have other people who are, have a family at home, right. Maybe they need the yeah. flexible schedule to, for their children or childcare or, yeah. you know, things like that. So, you know, uh, people are excited because they get to do what they love. And to be honest, they're kind of doing it on their own terms almost. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. not, you know, when you're working directly at a facility, maybe is, is a lot different than, you know, I'm not even a travel position, maybe, but even just PRN local work, mm -hmm. um, you know, per diem shifts, you know, yeah. getting to travel, getting to see different facilities and, you know, keeping the excitement going. Um, but uh, it's just great to see that everybody's excited about the same thing. There's always the same end game for the most part. I'm not saying yeah. everybody. Yeah. This, yeah. A lot of people want to see those smiles. They want to know they made a <clears> difference. <throat> they want to be recognized. They want to help. Um, yeah. And they want to get paid doing it, I guess, too, right? <laughs> yeah, so, why not? Yeah. Right? Why not? I mean, while you think about it, well, we're older than you. So, you know, we grew up with like you hired into a company and you stayed there 30 years and then you retired, right? Yes. Life is not like that no. today. And Wait I think yet sometimes those of us in leadership positions are from that era. Yeah. It's hard to understand, right, why people would do these things. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, right? Yeah. It it helps these individuals have an opportunity to live in a way that energizes them, and they are probably better clinicians because of it. And I think it takes an extreme skill to be able to come into an Me organization too. and to pick up what they have to pick up, right, in a very quick rapid pace and to integrate themselves into a culture they have not grown up in. They don't, you know, they don't, they're not acclimated to, right. And to acclimate quickly to fit in and to be that person that can come in and do that. I think that takes a lot of talent and skill. I do too. And a lot of people oh, yeah. skills, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, really everything very well-rounded uh it's yeah. a certain skill set it, it, that involves some sort of value system i mean yeah. it's amazing yeah you know and to piggyback off the just the, the great words that you just said too is technology has come so far oh yes you know yeah. that we're able to do a lot of things now um that weren't able to be done obviously a long time ago and that makes it just that more attractive sure. um in this space which does add value to patient care yep yeah, that's so true, mm -hmm. right? And all the technologies you have to learn. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Ooh, yeah. All right. So the last question we asked was, "What are you concerned about in providing the delivery of care?" And so some of the comments that we got, um, not unusual to hear, catching COVID nineteen or any unknown variant, right? Like any healthcare sure. clinician probably has that concern these days. Um, again, being understaffed, lack of resources and supplies, same challenges that many of the um, full-time employees and healthcare organizations have. Um, again, um, last minute cancellations. Now that's a big thing, right? For yeah. these individuals, because some of them rely on, you know, their scheduled hours. Some of them it's built in, right? Where they don't get canceled first, but some of them do because of saving money and those types of things. So, you know, mm -hmm. where an employee, you know, has a little bit different, yeah. you know, safety net around that. Sometimes these individuals don't have that same safety net. So that's something they're concerned about. Um, in addition, are, again, being shunned, not welcomed, not accepted, uh, lack of teamwork and insufficient training. So not being prepared to step into 
the assignments that they have. Um, and, and again, some had no concerns at all. Right. So you've got some that haven't had these experiences yeah. and others that have. So this isn't for sure. This isn't a blanket across the you know country experience, but they are experiences that I think are, deserve a voice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I 100 percent agree, you know, training, uh, you know, these nurses got to hit the ground running. Um you mentioned something that's very, that I want to touch on, you know, the shift cancellations. We see that a lot. And um, as of right now, it's very hard to avoid those, right? Because as an outside source, all we want to do, or I speak we, but the people on this side is we want to be an extension of the facility. We don't want to hurt the facility. We don't want to do anything that's, you know, going to put them backwards or cause stress. We just want to be mm -hmm. an extension to help. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when a shift gets canceled, per se, you know, we're the agency outside helps the first to go. We understand that mm -hmm. our staff usually, quote unquote, usually understands that. Yeah. And um, and, and that just goes back to the hey, we're not here to, to take every shift or to cost right. you extra money or anything like that. We want patient care in your building. We want proper patient care safety ratios up so that everybody gets good quality care. And yeah. uh, once again, that's meeting in the middle. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, but they're all, all valid points. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of, um, teamwork being shunned, that's kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it comes up again in this, in this response as well. So, yeah. you know, you can tell that it's definitely something that, that is affecting certain individuals in this field. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. And I think it just, you know, it gets back to the healthy work culture, understanding how to, um, have healthy relationships with each other, those kind of meaningful conversations, right? Getting to know each other as people, right? Humanizing the work culture. Um, you know, those are all things to be thinking about as we move forward in these new times, right? Because we've had a lot of challenges. We've all faced a lot of challenges. And again, these individuals working in the organizations are under a tremendous amount of stress. And I think, you know, again, it also just kind of brings out well, you know, um, the higher level of pay looks really good. It also comes with risks. And yeah. that is that you're going to get canceled, right? That's so right. it's not just, you know, all flowers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess is what I want to say. They're taking yeah. risks by, you know, working in that manner, right? right. And choose right. making that choice. Um, and again, they go in with their eyes wide open about what those risks are. But I, when you're not working in that world, you don't recognize maybe or aren't aware of all the risks that are associated for those individuals to make that choice. You know, so I think it helps to know that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, it's it, I'm going to keep using the term to, to fill the gap, right? Bridge that gap, meet in the yeah, middle. And yeah. hopefully, you know, that'll happen where some of those pros and cons, right? There's pros and cons to both sides. Yeah. To really kind of minimize those yeah. as much as possible and work together would be uh, such a blessing. And, I, and I, it'd be great just for healthcare in general. Um, yeah. For yeah. So. Right. 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 Well, you know, and in polarity language, there's positive outcomes for both sides. And there's also there's also negative outcomes if we're not paying attention to how well we're balancing this and trying yeah. to meet for that greater purpose. Yeah. And I think the key things and what I loved about asking directly from the people on the ground delivering the services is and, and both sides, we have to learn from what we just went through. That's, again, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. Like, what did we learn during this during this particular period of time that we can move forward in healthcare, we can um, make different decisions and do things differently. Yeah. Which brings me to the next question, Matthew, because they're starting to see, we're starting to see more shifts. The trend we're seeing is now um, more and more organizations are intentionally decreasing the amount of outside staffing support because of all the financial burdens that are now emerging in healthcare um, as a result of the pandemic. And um, so they're trying to control things a little bit more. And so we're seeing that decrease. And we also know, you know, staffing is always going to be challenging. So what would you like to see as a model to support both the healthcare organizations and their staff and the traveling agency staff, some kind of model that is more sustainable. You keep saying the meeting together, but 
yeah. the bridge. Uh, what what does a bridge model look like that's sustainable? Have you given any thought to that? Yeah, we you know we have. Uh, you know, we're always looking for ways, um, and and not just us, but you know the mm-hmm. industry and ways to be yep. more innovative, right? And to and to really to make it so both sides win, or maybe um, you know to your point, you know we went through. It's, I mean, it's kind of sad to say, but sometimes we have to go through something really catastrophic to really get the, see what, uncover what's going on, right? Find yeah. new solutions. And as much as there was just, you know, terrible, you know, terrible things that came along with the pandemic, we try to look at the good, right? How, yeah. what, what yes. went wrong? How can we protect that? How can we make it better? Let's make a change and let's change with these times. And we keep referring back to technology and uh, being innovative and, um, you know, utilizing resources. Um, you know, we mentioned that we're using the same resources sometimes, right? Outside agencies, you know, tap into local candidates, which the facilities tap into local candidates as well, right? So there's a mix there. We're overlapping. So, you know, what, what I find, it always reverts back to this, is most healthcare facilities, and I say most, um, don't have the high, high budgets to your points about, you know, people, you know, trying to be cost effective. You know, I would say about 80, 90 percent of healthcare uh, facilities, you know, are summer mom and pop places like nursing homes, post-acute rehabilitation centers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not offering the twenty thousand dollar sign on bonuses. Right. Or this, this these these right. astronomical numbers that you hear. So how can we. How can we really put our scope into that 90%, right? That chunk, that big, large majority that has issues with budgeting and things like that. And um, those places usually don't have a corporate recruiting team, right? They don't have a team of people doing all the vetting and all the credentialing and all the onboarding. They may have a small HR department, but it takes, I think last time I checked, it's taken about 60 to 90 days to hire a full staff employee. Um, as a nurse into a full-time facility. So when we talk about meeting in the middle, you know, using technology on our side to really be, um, you know, help, like having companies, you know, like outside sources, you know, such as ourselves or other places that have the means to this, that can work directly with facilities at a cost-effective approach, right, as well. That's, that's crucial mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to make it to where we're actually – Think of like a water pump, pumping water, right? We're pumping water, yeah. pumping water. We want to pump nurses into the system. We want to get nurses excited, passionate, proper pay, proper proper flexible flexible schedules if that's if that's what they want. We offer same day pay now. You know, different things of getting paid faster. A lot of these CNAs and LPNs, some of them live paycheck to paycheck, so it's important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're trying to get all the needs right. What are the new needs? What are the modern mm-hmm. needs? We can say, you know, what are nurses? What do they want? Let's listen to them. And um, and come up with a solution to to offer them what they need, right? And yeah, um, I'm not here to 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 like say what facilities aren't doing or healthcare systems aren't doing because I don't know, right? Technically, right. I don't. But you know, I know it is very hard for big, large systems to do same day pays and to mm-hmm. offer flexible schedules and to have the technology to do all that stuff, right? So how can we incorporate that and, and really make it flow smoother to where, you know, these facilities are fully staffed with also keeping the needs and wants of the nurses and keeping them happy? Because, I mean, if, if the nurses are happy and, you know, they're going to I mean, this is just a, a biased opinion of mine. If they're happy, they're going to provide better quality of care. Sure. I truly oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we do too. Right. Yeah. And it gets back to that recruiting and retaining and you need to, you know, mm-hmm. that, which is the underlying polarity that sits underneath this whole staffing thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's about if you have a culture that is the best place to give and receive care, patients are going to flow to you and staff will never leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, I mean, they'll be there long term. Right. They will want to work. They, they will refer people to work there. It, travelers, agency, individuals will want to come and deliver services there as well, right? right? So it's really creating that place that has, as you said, you know, they have quality, cost-effective care, right? Everything in the system is designed to be that best place to give and receive care, regardless of whether it's the full-time employees or individuals that are coming in to supplement when necessary, right? Um, yeah. Or even as a part of the ongoing needs of the organization, so... 
Yeah. And, I, and we've had, you know, we've had, uh, I mean, you both know as well, we've had float pools in the past. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, for as long as I can remember, there's always been some sort of float pool right at a hospital yeah. or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But those are becoming dried up as well. And, you know, there's a new mm-hmm. system of that shift that we were talking about um, that you were brought up earlier, too, is the age gap uh, in yeah, some yeah. cases. Yeah. That, you know, not only do we have the nursing shortage on just people being burnt out, stressed out, you know, post pandemic, things like that. But we have baby boomers. We have a, a massive amount of nurses retiring um, yep. early mm-hmm. retirement and retirement uh, before 2030. Mm-hmm. So you're talking a whole new class, we can call it, of nurses coming in that have different expectations, yeah, different yeah. values, different, you know, growing up on technology, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're probably operating an iPhone when they're born. Hey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> pretty much these days. It's going to show yeah, up right? on the ultrasound pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, well, we're looking at ultrasounds, you know, and, and learning. You know. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Let's face it. We're facing yeah. a totally different group. And, yes. Um, it's exciting and challenging at the same time. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, and I truly believe that we got to, we got to kind of adjust, right? We got to shift and we have to, um, you know, find out what these new needs are, uncover what's happening, the pros, cons, as you both mentioned, which are crucial mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the clarity, right? You, yeah. know, what, you know, what are we doing here even as humans, right? We're all humans. And yeah. the, I, I think everything that we've learned from the pandemic, this is a start to that. And that's yeah. exciting and promising at the same time. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think there's a whole new generation, right? And to your point, uh, the more mature clinicians are retiring. There's difficulty in getting the classes filled, right, in nursing schools with new nurses. And some of that may be because of some of these elements, right? They have different expectations. They want a different, they want different options. And, uh, and so that, you know, that's something that has to be paid attention to. And it is exciting, right? It's exciting. And it can uh, catapult us into a whole different way of delivering care and, and supporting the staffing of healthcare organizations. So I really appreciate you bringing that. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, this has been a fun conversation and now we're in the missing questions. Okay. So here we go. Now you're going to do just fine. For our audience, you know, our (laughs) guests don't know what we're going to ask them. So there's a little edge to this, (laughs) but it's just a way for them to get to know you as a person. You know, it's all about the human element, right? That's right. And uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple questions and Michelle's going to do the wrap up question. But the first one now, I know you're going to really have to think about this. (laughs) What is your favorite sport and why? Favorite sport? Hmm. I answer two. Can I answer two two answers to this one? Okay. Sure. Okay, I just made up my own rule. Okay. That's right. There are um, no rules. You go for it. sport, probably soccer because I grew up playing soccer. I played uh-huh. all the way competitively, uh-huh. um, and, you know, through, throughout my school career too. So I, I did learn a lot of discipline and there's so many factors that actually came from playing a sport at a very young age competitively uh, that I took into my professional career. Uh, and just in terms of relationships in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a big football fan. Um, <laughs> I'll represent. I went to University of Florida, so I am biased. I am a Florida Gator. Oh, so a Gator. I, I might stir up some chaos, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I love watching college football and I, I love following players. So um, I do love sports, though, in general. That's great. That's great. I, and golf. N- notice the <laughs> little. I oh, see your that's three. That's three. Yeah, we see your football yeah, helmet in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, here's, here's the next one. And that is, what was the last in-theater movie you saw? I just saw Top Gun. Oh, Maverick. It, yes, Top Gun Maverick. It's been, I don't know, three years since I went to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... Uh, you know, my, my dad is a, a defense a defense contractor for the De- Department of Defense for oh. um, some fighter planes. So I grew up watching oh. Top Gun. Um, he used to put me to bed to it back in the <laughs> 80s, right? Uh, so so to see this come out, I, I loved it. It was great. So anyone who hasn't seen it, I recommend it. Five stars for me. Good uh, for you. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it was an awesome movie. 
Okay, here's the last wrap-up question, Matthew. So as you know, we teach leaders um, polarity intelligence and how to think both and, which we've been talking about throughout this interview. But one of the principles of polarity is that, is that everyone has a preference poll. We can recognize both are important, but we do tend to have a preference poll. So I am going to ask you a question. Uh, I, I'm going to present a polarity and we want you to tell us what your preference poll is. And uh, the polarity is competition and collaboration. Um, you see, I'm such a competitive person too. It's <laughs> okay. That's okay. You know, but, but this is the thing. If, if, you know, you have to have collaboration. I mean, you have to. I mean, if you're not collaborating and, you know, even just as far as working together and, and really bringing in different points to meet an end goal, you know, I think they go hand in hand, to be honest with you. But um, I, I mean, I'm, I am a competitive person at, at nature just from being in sports and all that. But I'm yep. also a team player. I'm also, yep. you know, um, I run a, a fairly large team here. We have about 200 employees. And, and you know, that all everything that you mentioned about polarity and, and even just the human element is so crucial. Yeah. And, um, you know, getting everyone on the same page and working together and um, seeing things flourish is just something that you it's it's rewarding yeah put it that way yeah um, yeah yeah i think well, they go hand in hand though so uh, you know, <laughs> well you're right they do go hand you know? in hand um, it's a polarity it's you a polarity um <laughs> but but and the reason we always say it's important to know your preference poll is is because number one that's where you tend to go to so you have to pay maybe extra attention to the other poll and then mm. you may have blind spots and some polarities. Some polarities um, aren't as obvious to some people as other po uh, other polarities. So mm -hmm. it's just good to know. I think from our interview and the time Tracy and I've spent with you, we know that you really see the benefit of both. But yeah. we're not surprised that the competitive maybe is more your. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was competitive at a young age, but the <laughs> collaboration and, and that side, I think, was learned over time sure, right? sure. And, yeah and i had to, and i had to you know use that in my professional life and building yep. relationships and having yeah. a family and yeah. you know things like that but um yeah yeah uh, yeah, I'm interested well, to know know your thoughts on that, but we can save that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, it really has been wonderful. Yes, to be with yes. you. Thank you so much for for being here. I just have really appreciated the conversation, the exploration of the perspectives of the individuals that you employ. You know, and those that you help to, um, you know. Um, send out to all these different healthcare organizations of all different types and just really appreciate the work you're doing. And thank you again for surveying those individuals to kind of give us some insight. Yes. Yes, Matthew. Thank you. It's been great working. And what we want to thank you for collaborating with us because we said we want to do this a little differently. We really, yeah. we really appreciate you um, engaging your team so we could bring their perspective to the show today. And uh, yeah, we just wish you the best. And we know this is a journey and we think you're bringing some fresh perspectives and some fresh eyes into it. And we think that's really important. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much to both of you as well. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me and you guys opened up my eyes to a lot of new perspectives too. And I, and I appreciate that. And that's what it's all about. So thank you so much. Oh, you're yes, welcome. You're very welcome. All right. And for our listeners out there, it's a wrap to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic and please stay safe and healthy and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye. enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.